You're listening to Marketing Talks. Digital marketers and entrepreneurs talk about work, life, and more. Hosted by Daniel Moore. Yalla. Hi, everyone. Hello. Happy holidays. Um, welcome to another episode of Marketing Talks. Um, this is a marketing product entrepreneurship podcast, and I'm Daniel Moore. I'm your host. And those of you who ha- haven't met me, me before, I'm a PPC expert. I specialize in paid media across the big ad networks, um, meta ads, Google ads, LinkedIn ads. Um, today, in those exciting times, uh, I host a very special guy. Um, some of you probably met before, uh, read about, worked with, or even listened to in his own podcast, um, Talking Automation, uh, in Hebrew, Medabrim Automatia. Um, so I want to welcome um, David Zisner, who is the CEO of Landolini Solutions. Do I pronounce it right? You pronounce it perfectly. Okay, that's, uh, that's great. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm so thrilled to have you here. Finally, we talked about it like... I think like four or five months we've, we've been planning this. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> finally <that>. we're here. <laughs> and um, yeah, thank you so much for coming. Thanks for hosting me here. It's great. It's really um, fun here. For sure. We are going to talk about a bunch of things today. Um, first, we're going to you know, get to know you a little bit, um, those of you, uh, those of the listeners who never um, uh, you know, engaged or, or, or uh, thought about automation or whatever, and um, a bit about the agency that yeah. you uh, started a um, long time ago uh, and uh, doing great, um, good for you. Um, we would also, then we'll probably dive into, uh, all aspects of automation, um, and, um, you know, implementing processes across companies and yeah. organizations and so on and so forth. Um, how to define like good, good process, um, and company who does automation better versus, um, somewhere where it needs, uh, improvement, um, and, you know, common mistakes, common tips and so on and so forth. Sure. Sounds great. Let's uh, let's uh, dive into it. And um, we we met each other. We talked about um, having this uh, podcast um, several months ago, and uh, then I got to know your activity a little bit further. Um, I listened to your uh, amazing podcast. Really Thank you. Uh, good content. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so now you have a chance to tell us a bit about yourself. Your cool. Own words. Cool. So uh, David, like you said, uh, father of three. And I'm the CEO of Landolini Solution. We're a business automation agency placed in Israel. And we specialize in working with companies, finding the best processes for them, how to really take uh, business processes that are, are cross, uh, you know, not just, not just the marketing or not just the sales, but really looking at connecting everything together so you don't get silos. You get a fluent process from lead to client to the service itself to returning client, etc., and so we really love the challenges of, of coming to a new company, really discovering the processes, how things should be done, how the, what, what is the essence of what needs to be done and really how to build it in the best way. Find the best tools, integrate them. Um, I come originally from, from high tech. I'm an engineer. Um, and I, I was working both for enterprise companies and for a startup. And uh, at some point, I realized that everything we've been doing as far as me and my team, we've been doing as far as automating uh, technical processes, it's actually very interesting for me to take that mindset and that way of thinking into automating business processes to make them really very, very efficient. And that's what we've been doing since uh, 2013. Um, wow, long time. Yeah, it's a long, it's a long time, and technology really made a leap as far as automation and no code. We're gonna, I guess, we're gonna talk a lot about no code yeah. down the road. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so we discovered, I discovered a platform in 2013, a platform called Zapier um, that many people know now. Not many people knew in uh, back in the day. Definitely. And I really looked at it as a way, as a means of, of, of building a better process, even for, for businesses just around me, friends, colleagues, family. Uh, developed the first Israeli app for Zapier. Wow. Yeah, for the uh, email marketing platform uh, responder of Messel mm-hmm. in Israel. So I, I just built the app for that and just started connecting stuff together, like connecting that to Google Sheets or to go to webinar or CRMs. Um, and really, it, it, w- it was just playing with stuff, you know, just, you know, connecting systems together, connecting tools together. It was just a way of like doing something cool. Hey, look, someone registered on this landing page. I can make them automatically uh, register to uh, to um, a go to webinar event. Mm-hmm. Now it sounds trivial the, trivial these days, but it was it was kind it wasn't of, back in the day. It wasn't back in the day, and and it was also for a long time it was kind of like a one trick pony. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I know how to do, how to connect responder to go to webinar. But turned out, but but that started the discussion with business owners uh, about hey. What do you spend a lot of your work on? What do you spend a lot of your time on? Where do you where is the stuff that that falls that you don't get to do or that isn't get um, executed very well or takes a lot of your time? And that kind of started the discussion rolling. Mm-hmm. So from something very small, uh, it kind of I, I discovered passion for it because I saw that I can actually build stuff that that matters to people and matters to businesses. And it started rolling from there. So it was like more marketing automation at the beginning now it's business automation so we look at it from a wider perspective of all the processes and different departments in a business so uh to so cover pretty much all aspects of business it's not just like as much as possible yeah you can be an expert on everything and I always say that um you know we won't build the campaign for you I I, I don't understand PPC obviously like you do mm-hmm. but I can work with with uh with, with the PPC expert on if we build this campaign and they come to this landing page and then do this to see this ad What do we want to do? What do we want uh, what, that will happen now? Uh, maybe we want to uh, serve them some sort of questionnaire, maybe send an, a WhatsApp message, maybe send them directly to the CRM and do this and do that. So our, our, much of our work is collaborative with the other professionals that are doing the marketing or the, the experts on how to close a deal and so what makes the sales process better. Right. So basically someone defines the you know, requirement or let's say you know, what they want to happen. Um, You know they, they come to you it can be in marketing in product side in sales side in whichever side and, and you guys can uh, help them um, set it up we no ha- matter which uh, department it belongs to yeah we, we help right. them before we, we we start setting it up it's um you know many times in business um, um, even in young companies um, stuff is is being performed in a certain way because mm-hmm. that's how you're used to so you're used to Um, doing things in a specific way handling a lead in a specific manner doing this doing that and one of the first things that we always do is we ask why and what would we like to happen because if a company does something in a in a specific way and it works perfectly and there's no problem great for them but then they probably wouldn't be talking to us because right. they usually be talking to us when something isn't optimal isn't running well or or it's taking not scalable, a lot of risk maybe. yeah not scalable not taking a Um, uh, taking up too much too many resources mm-hmm. so we always go to the root of what what is important f- for uh, for the process what is important for the, that, that will happen that will be executed and and the way we see it if we achieve the end goal in a way that's totally different than what than the way it worked before but it 
makes it much more scalable. It still, uh, you, know, you know, works within the, the, the experience that the client wants their clients to have. And if it's, it feels organic to, to the way the company works, that's a better way than the way it was done and just automated, you know. Right. As, as human beings, we take a lot of decisions that automation won't necessarily know how to take. Um, but automation is is much more scalable if, if the process is built correctly. So you, you, you're suggesting that you would absorb like you know a deviation or, or some sort of statistical mistake in, in, in some ways rather than do everything manual. Uh, yeah, because okay. because and it, this is something that took me um, some time to getting used to because I'm somewhat of a perfectionist yeah. and I don't want something to work. 99 out of 100 times. I want it to work 100 out of 100. There's something in that perfectionism that you have to kind of set aside and release mm-hmm. uh, to, to understand that you're building something that's scalable and has to work well enough within the scale that you're planning. Okay, that's an interesting uh, scoop, interesting point of view. So you can't be perfectionist and an automation person. Uh, you can try, <laughs> but you, you, you kind of have to be a bit lazy. And I don't think I'm lazy sure. enough. I'm working on being more lazy okay. to be an automation person because if, if you're lazy, you're looking for a way uh, to make stuff happen without you doing it every time or your team or whatever. Right. So you have to be kind of lazy. It won't be good to be a perfectionist. But I remember when I just got started, like I said, all I knew was how to connect the email marketing to the webinars. And I would, you know, I would refresh the email marketing uh, list to see that everyone has their links and everything worked correctly. And did the automation skip one person? And because it takes time to build trust in a new system, in a new product, in a new, in a new methodology or way of making things happen, um, with time you understand that, that you, you kind of set up um, checkpoints mm-hmm. for how, um, how would you know that the automation works well and, and, and your control mechanism. Then you don't, have to, you don't have to check each one. You can just know that if I don't get... Um, XYZ, I know that ABC yeah. is not like ideal or I can improve the process. Exactly. And the rest of the time where you have uh, where everything works well, you can just kind of set it aside and start handling the other challenge that you want to solve for the company. Right. Let's talk about skill set a little bit because you said in the beginning that uh, you came from a technological background. Yeah. And I suspect you know, many of our listeners are non-techy. Yeah. Um, either you know uh, business owners, um, I don't know employees, whatever. And and they say, okay, wait, wow, that's really you know that's that's easy for someone who's technical for an engineer. Okay, but what about me? Yeah. Like what what's my takeaways from here? Like what what would you tell them? We're living in a very um, interesting time for, for to be asking that question mm-hmm. because um, I think that's the time. Uh, we, we, we can speak about no-code. The no-code revolution, mm-hmm. um, which is, I consider it even bigger than the, than, than, uh, the revolution that the I saw when the first iPhone came out. Mm-hmm. Um, when the first, you know, 2007, when Steve Jobs introduced the first iPhone, mm-hmm. uh, it was a closed system. Apple is a company that believed in controlling every aspect of their product. Mm-hmm. So other than obviously um, building the phone, releasing the phone, they would develop the apps for the iPhone. And Steve Jobs was very adamant about it that um, that a- Apple would be the one developing the apps and, and no app store yet. No app store yet. No app well, store. Well, yet. App store, well th- there was a place to download apps, but only those developed by by Apple itself. Okay. So uh, the developer community, when they saw the first iPhone, and they were I don't know, have you seen the by the way the launch of the first iPhone? It's on YouTube. 
about six months mm-hmm. to convince Steve Jobs to open the, to create an SDK developer, a development kit for the iPhone, for external developers to start building apps. And an amazing thing happened when, 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 uh, when they did that because if Apple has a couple of tens of thousands of employees and you allocate a couple of thousand of those for building apps, there's no way that could compete with the creativity and, and the work power and developer power of of. tens of thousands of developers that are that are just building apps out of their garage and Definitely. actually created a new profession mm-hmm. and the the and, and so you took something that only s- several thousands of people could do within Apple and you opened that for tens hundreds of thousands millions of developers all around the world and you got apps that the Apple developers wouldn't even think of building uh, ways and snapchat and stuff like that and and you know going forward to our to our age and automation and integration has always been possible basically it's if you know what you're building uh, you have to be uh, and, and you're working with systems that have an open API that you can integrate them either create a native integration or through some third party mm-hmm. you could connect anything to anything but you'd have to be a developer you have to be a developer that that's versed with API that knows how to read API documentation how to build API how to set up a server to do that and And so you have people who know how to do that with, uh, all around the world. But what the no-code did, the no-code revolution did, and Zapier was uh, a pioneer in that, um, mm-hmm. that they can actually take uh, the integration and the act of connecting two apps together in a, in a way that's, uh, that, that, that's uh, meaningful business-wise. Yeah. And you don't need to understand how code works. You don't need to understand. To be a good coder you don't need to know what what code even looks like because you're doing everything visually you're doing that with no code nuts and suddenly you're taking something that the API developers all around the world knew and and every marketer every office manager every sales person can now automate part of their work without being a developer without being dependent upon developers budgets etc so suddenly everyone can be a no code developer and Mm-hmm. So this is this is why it's so powerful and because it now you can have millions of no code developers all around the world and right. in 2018 at the end of 2018 we interviewed the uh, the C uh, uh, Zapier CEO Wade Foster we interviewed him uh, great guy and and one of the things he said I asked him about the, the how Zapier got started and and really uh, the, the world of no code and automation and And one of the things he said was that he used to be the most sophisticated Zapier uh, uh, user there is because he, he was part of, of, of the building of the app. He says, "I don't even get near to what our users are building now. I, I can look at what users are building, uh, building and, and it's way more sophisticated than I would have thought of. And that's the power of taking something and giving it giving everyone that power. Interesting. So um... Like that, that was roughly an overview of how the market or the industry has evolved ever yeah. since uh, 2008 and you actually tie it together with um, you know setting up uh, uh, an API and, and, and basically crowdsourcing your app for developers outside yeah who can build on top of it yeah 
um, I don't know, like Shopify is another great example, right? Yeah. Shopify and, app marketplace. And- yeah, and, and, and it's a great example because take Shopify and, and, and they build a platform, right? For mm-hmm. people to set up a shop and start selling their stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, if, if they wouldn't have an open API, if it wouldn't be open for integration and especially for no-code integrations, um, they wouldn't they, be where they are now. Yeah, because Definitely. because they would have to have the the developer power to develop anything that their clients might need. Mm-hmm. So they the client might say, um, "Give us an integration with Mailchimp, for example. I want everyone who perch- makes a purchase to uh, to go into a Mailchimp list, so we or, or an audience, so we can sell them, se- uh, send them a journey. Cool. So they can they can make an integration with Mailchimp, and perhaps they've already done that natively. But let's say I'm using Active Campaign." Or I'm using Drip, or I'm using some local autoresponder. <laughs> you need to Israel. cover basically. You need to cover all apps in the world. Yeah, that, and, and that it, might be in use along with Shopify, which yeah. is endless. Which, which is yeah, it's, yeah, it never ends. But if you if you uh, just do a proper integration with a no code platform, have all the abilities there, have um, and have everything very accessible, then you don't don't need to be. Uh, if you're Shopify, you don't need to have. Uh, your platform integrate with everything. You just need to integrate with the uh, with the leading no code integration platforms, and I can build my own integration the way I want it to my specific autoresponder that they're not even familiar with. Interesting. Any preference, by the way, between Zapier and Make, or any any one of them is more intuitive in your opinion? Zapier is uh, simpler to understand mm-hmm. because it's uh, it's more basic. Mm-hmm. You can do sophisticated stuff with it. Now um, um, they have a visual editor that they're just rolling out. You can do more complex stuff, but it, it's easier to get started with it. But it's more limited. Um, as far as, as as the ability and how far you can take it, we work mostly with Make, previously Integromat, Integromat. now Make, mm-hmm. uh, and and I equate that really to I, I don't compare for the for the really simple stuff. You can compare uh, Zapier with uh, uh, with Make, or you can compare that with Pebbly or other no code platforms. Once you go to the more complex business scenarios. Uh, that really implement a complex business process that could involve like a, a form and a payment method and a CRM and, and stuff like that and inventory. Um, I don't equate make to, I don't compare between make and Zapier, I compare between make and coding because we do very complex flows that if I would be doing that with make, I would have to have a developer on staff to write the code for that. So we we prefer make by, by a mile because it allows us that much more flexibility to build, to solve the, the larger problems that our customers need. If all they need is get my lead from a Facebook lead ad into a Google Sheet, um, pick your weapon of choice. It doesn't really matter because it's a very simple. They both do it. Yeah, they both do it. But if you want to have a more complex and have that check uh, against your inventory in Airtable or put that into PyDrive as your CRM or, or something that's more complex, uh, make is, is that much more suited, that much more flexible. And also your... Um, once you get to understand how both platforms work and kind of get your hands dirty inside uh, both of them, um, you can be a lot faster with Make just because of the way the editor is built. So it sounds like it's more, um, it, it enables more customization too. Definitely. When you say, okay, when you Definitely. say write a code. Okay. Um, interesting. Um, and yeah, we, we just earned a, a comparison between the two, um, <laughs> you know, probably biggest platforms of uh, no-code uh, automation. So thanks for that. Um, let's talk about, um, today, 
today's noisy marketing environment and and multiple um you know uh, um discovery uh, social platforms and and notifications from everywhere and um in today's uh noisy environment how how important is marketing and sales automation like leads activation leads nurturing um how common this is to see a company that you know misses out big time on not activating leads it's a very good question because the awareness now for uh for customer journeys and for automation and for creating meaningful interactions with uh with leads or with clients or with um you know onboarding clients in a, in a in a friendly way and in a consistent way I think the awareness is there. I'm seeing the awareness there because we, we get uh, calls from a company that, hey, we want to build a better flow or something's not working here. I think the, 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 there are still many gaps in understanding on what automation can do for a marketing process. So take, for example, let's say that uh, I have a, a marketing funnel for, um, for some sort of course. Mm-hmm. Let's say I'm a university. And I want you to enroll into to one of my courses so I'm, I'm putting my ads out there and I have my landing page mm-hmm. and then I have my CRM and I want my refs to talk to you or I just want you to schedule a meeting and, and obviously I want you to arrive at the meeting um, in order for my, my my people to meet you and to have a conversation convince you on why you should you should uh, study with us and take you there from there to enrollment payment and all that stuff many times um, when you think you Of, um, of a marketing funnel like the one I just described you're used to thinking about you know the what I call the shiny day flow so there's a landing page there's a campaign there's a landing page uh, you'll leave your details there we'll get ske- you'll schedule a meeting or we'll talk to you and we'll schedule a meeting you'll come to the meeting you'll hear our offer you'll take it and off you go and obviously everyone knows that not not all landing pages don't convert by a hundred percent obviously so you do remarketing and but but I kind of look at such at a, at a funnel like the one I described which is a pretty simple one but I always look at each point you have an intersection and you can either go left or right so left is you either leave your details on the landing page or you don't so you have remarketing for that um, another intersection is I want you to schedule a meeting so let's say that I put a, a tool like calendarly or or you can book me or acuity for you to book that automatically and um, This is also an intersection because some people will book the meeting automatically others won't what I do with with those that don't I need to to uh, convince them in other manners resend them the offer to to book a meeting so I can send you a whatsapp or an article or or stuff like that or um, you know whatever would get you to do the things that I, that I wanted to do which is schedule a meeting but even after you've scheduled a meeting most people don't um, don't arrive at the meeting mm-hmm. so don't let's say yeah you don't show up but let's say you have a 30 percent uh, arrival rate 70 percent of the people don't attend what are you going to do with those are you going to warm them up to to attend are you going to send them an automated follow-up hey you missed a meeting schedule another one are you going to call them so and and that happens across each intersection each point in your funnel you have to think about you know the minimum of of, of, uh, of a two of options that your lead has mm-hmm. they either do it or they won't do it um, and I think many times uh, we tend to to kind of skip some of those mm-hmm. so I, I 
for for the no shows you know th- there are companies that could say okay oh, it's natural people don't show up let's get another lead or let's uh, war- keep warming them up in our newsletter and eventually they come but but the, that lead is relevant right now to something that they've done you, right. you, you tag them specifically as one showed an interest in in uh, in having a meeting but but not showing up what are you going to do with those so when you set up good automation for even for old leads uh, leads let's say you can actually earn you Um, you know money on the floor um, you know Definitely. existing lists like old outdated some of them probably are not in the same you know um, uh, buying uh, uh, um, um, what I'm trying to say like buying mood you know? yeah like, in, in, they're not the they're no longer interested yeah but you still can automate something and you know drive back some uh, intent yeah interesting because it's never it, it, it will never be a hundred percent of anything. So sure. you won't have a hundred percent even even if you automate the hell out of it, you won't have a hundred percent of anything. But even just increasing the attendance rate from thirty percent to thirty five percent or forty percent, and you, you can do that either by sending good content to encourage encourage them to to attend the meeting or for those that don't show up, get them to attend the next meeting or or to re reschedule a meeting and attend that one. Once you're raising the, those percentage, you, you know at, at the end, It's a funnel so you raise some percentages uh, at some point of it here you're right ra- yeah you're raising it all the way yeah you're mm-hmm. earning it all, all the way down no. the road yep. so it's it's never a straight line it's a lot of trial and error and you sometimes you think that something will work great and it doesn't sometimes you we had campaigns where we we did stuff that I thought hey this is going to be the Pulitzer of all marketing campaigns it's so ingenious <laughs> what an automation and nothing happened and we had others when we just hey let's automate this out of the CRM send this message send that and suddenly a lot of lids uh, f- flooded in so you don't really know but 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 you have to always uh, put those those checkpoints and and the actions you're going to do and measure them on what succeed because you improve something at some point of the funnel you're going to earn that you improvement all the way down the funnel yep definitely it grows um, not exponentially but linearly yeah across the yeah all along the funnel down the funnel um, you know when I when I when I get um, a potential new client um, I normally um, you know once I get access to their um, advertising platforms or you know monitoring tracking uh, uh, platforms like uh, Google Analytics and, and so on Google Ads um, I tend to look at very specific things over and over again. Of course, it depends what the company does and you know like how big is the scope of advertising, how much they spend and, and um, what's their um, um, like how much attention they pay into their advertising budget. Um, if they did it in-house outsource um, different uh, questions. But at the end of the day, I look at very specific things. I look at conversion rates, quality scores, yeah, I try to get a hold of um you know how well diverse are their funnels and their landing pages, and I think that this is uh it highly correlates with um automation kind of thinking so when now now when I see you know bad scores or I see that there is one page that converts three percent and the other one converts half percent, yeah, then I raise those flags. And I know that this is for me it's an opportunity. How do you assess a new organization/ client? You can choose whichever if it's self-service product or you know like self-service funnel that dives into a trial or um, probably demo like request a demo. I yeah. think it's even more correct me if I'm wrong, but more 
um, the importance of automation there is even higher because it's more manual work at the end of the day. There is demo to do. Yeah. Um, how do you assess a new client that stops by how badly they need you, you know, to, um, to help them um, automate their uh, uh, flows? It's, um, it's a combination of, first of all, we look, we ask them about their process. Mm-hmm. So we never assume anything about a process. We, we, we always ask them to tell us about the process. Now, you can see, I can, I, I, I can, um, I can ask you about your process mm-hmm. and hear what you're doing and, and really comes up like, why you're doing this? Why not this? Why this? Because I assume that I don't know anything. You know your client's best, you know your product best, but I know what a process should look like. So I, I kind of, my, my ear is attuned to hearing uh, uh, the holes. Hey, oh, sure, we have meetings. People come and say, okay, what if they don't show up? Like, if we go back to the example. <laughs> uh, we don't do anything. Okay, that's a problem. <laughs> but also, I think it, it very much, um, one of the most important things is, is how open you are to, uh, to sometimes um, doing very fundamental changes to the way you're working. Because if you're, if, if the, uh, if the, um, like about if adoption, everything is, adopting changes, yeah, adopting changes. Because Adapt. if what you, if what you need is is uh, very basic, if everything is working well, you just need this, uh, fix this, fix that. Okay, we might work together. We might not because you're you're on the right path. Maybe you don't need us. But if it's it's fundamentally uh, flawed as far as your process, and um, but you're not open to doing it in a new way or or adopting a new mindset. Um, it would be very hard for me to drive that change. We're here in Tel Aviv. Uh, I came back from clients that we've been working with uh, for the past more than two years. Mm-hmm. Um, great clients of us. And and we met them at a point where they were scaling up their business and it was working It was working um, very well as far as the marketing, as far as the product. It was excellent, but the processes were were designed for, for an organization that had handles like a tenth of the amount of leads that they were handling. So the processes were very manual, very cumbersome. It was really, um, it, they were sinking under all the manual work. So there was a lot to be done. And they were if they were not in the mindset that they were like, okay, just tell us what, we, what needs to be done. Let's, let's, build, let's do this thing together. Let's learn all our processes together and do. It would be very hard to drive that change. They were so dedicated to making that happen because they were so um, under, uh, uh, overwhelmed with all the work that they were doing. Uh, they just kind of said, sure, we're with you all the way. Uh, and it was a very collaborative process. And obviously, uh, we asked them a lot of questions and we studied and we tell them, you do this, we do that. And it, it was such a growth mindset. So I think that's what I'm trying to say is if you have if you have a growth mindset. It doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter because you can solve anything. If you have a fixed mindset, like, no, listen, this is the way things are done. Just solve us the this problem of doing copying this data manually, doing that manually. Uh that might be an, uh, nice to work together, but we'll be kind of limited by how far we're going to get. Right. And what if it's a very big um, tech stack? Let's say the company works, I don't know, the sales department works with, I don't know, dozen different platforms. I, uh, and some of them have better APIs, some of them have, you know, worst APIs. We're doing that process now with a, with a hotel chain here in Israel mm-hmm. and starting their stack and starting their processes. The more the more elaborate the processes are, the more complex the processes are, and the more uh, and the larger their stack is, it's harder. 
right because you, you, the setup time is is longer you have to learn many more api's maybe a tool is great for doing the work but it's it's bad for integration so it's really difficult for that specific client that I just mentioned um, I actually uploaded to on LinkedIn mm-hmm. I think it was like a year ago a picture they had a new I mean new manager came in and And she wanted to know what we were doing so I said okay I'll, I'll just create a uh, dagger of the stack and I was <laughs> I was amazed by how many tools I think there are 20 tools there yeah in their stack now <laughs> Once you about, visualize it yeah I visualized it it was beautiful it's like it was <laughs> art for someone like me because you have all the tools and put the centers and and they've they've had about uh, let's say 60 of the stack when we came in we introduced the other 40. Or maybe it was 70 30 oh. because we saw things that were basically missing in their stacks so they were they were not handling managing the inventory well so we put airtable there and uh, they were um, doing manual uh, the, the payments they were sending uh, payment links manually creating them manually we put a platform there an Israeli platform that can create uh, payment pages on demand through the API so it's it's custom built for the client so we kind of completed the other 30 40 percent of the stack but 60 percent of it was already there it was really like looking at it and seeing everything in, in one picture all the icons of the different platforms they were using it was amazing yeah sounds very satisfying <laughs> very nice very um, okay um, we are getting uh, uh, closer to the um, end of the episode and I wanted to ask you um, take the chance um, you know I've heard um, many you Um, stories of yours and um, you know um, things you've done for clients and um, I want to know where do you get your inspiration being in this industry for so long and starting um, you know such a successful agency and doing so much um, um, for for tech companies yeah. and I guess also even uh, like low-tech maybe yeah, you know? yeah. It, it, it's just a company that's scaling and such as tech company that scales and is a uh, Is looking for for a way to do things the smart way right so why don't you share uh, with us with me and the listeners um, where do you get your inspiration you can you know name drop um, whether if it's a YouTube channel uh, do you follow someone on Twitter did you read uh, have you read a good uh, book that you recommend um, why don't you give us some names I'll, uh, first of all I love the work of Gary V mm-hmm. Gary Vanchuk he says he um, And there's a whole YouTube video about that where he talks about uh, clouds and dirt he says that every entrepreneur has to be in the clouds and the dirt the clouds is where you dream of what what you're building and like your vision going forward mm-hmm. and the dirt is you know connecting stuff together with the, <laughs> the nuts and bolts of everything and I love the way the, the way you said it because I think uh, you can't have one without the other you have just not nuts and bolts and Just the dirt without the clouds so you build this out but perhaps it's not in your vision or not the correcting and if we're only up in the clouds but don't connect it to, to the uh, to the to the nuts and bolts then it's kind of daydreaming because you're not it's not realistically connected to uh, to what you're trying to, to achieve so so I, I really love that the, the clouds and uh, dirt um, I love the uh, two books that I really love and one I used to give out to our students uh, which is uh, the first one is um, is um, um, the power of habits mm-hmm. uh, but Charles Duhigg I think it's a great book about um, um, about habits and how to adopt and how to change right and I also think I listened to it in uh, headway 
It's an app that reads you, uh, summarizes and yeah. reads books to you. Yeah. So yeah, I, I read it and, and it's also an Audible, so you, you, you can get that. The other one, which, is, which I've just listened to on Audible, is Atomic Habits by James Clear. That's a great book hmm. uh, about how small changes can make a big difference. And I, I listened to it on Audible. The second it ended, I just rewound. You don't rewind now. It's not like the <laughs> 80s. But I rewound and started from the beginning because what we are doing with automation is dr- we are driving change. And driving change, sometimes the technical part of you know, the integration is the easy part. The hard part is, is the change mindset. Mm-hmm. So um, these are really sources that, that, um, that I love. Like I said, I used to give out to, give out to our students. And, and, and it's really something that I think a lot of people who are in our arena or looking to scale, to build something scalable, have to be in that um, mindset. That mindset of change and that mindset of understanding that even though they're not called habits in businesses, they're called processes, there are still good ones and bad ones. Definitely. So the more you're, you're adept to, to uh, good processes, to adapting good, good habits, good processes, uh, the easier it will be to automate that. Bill Gates has a famous quote where he says one of, of the fundamental rules of business of of, of process of business is that when you automate a good um, a g- automating good process uh, an efficient process increases the efficiency, while automating an inefficient process increases the inefficiency of it. So you don't just go and and that's why a lot of times when 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 clients come to us and say just automate this, we ask no. What is the goal? What is the end game? What are we trying to achieve here? We want to automate that. We don't want to just automate what you're doing manually. Now, that, that's not interesting. That might be fun on a technical level. Uh, that won't necessarily get you to where to where you want to get. So, uh, so I love thinking of what we're doing as changes, um, as, as changing habits. Um, also, there's something in uh, I do yoga for the past uh, year or so hmm. because I, my back is terrible and <laughs> I really have to work at it. And it, in yoga, sometimes, um, many times, you're doing um, movements that are contradictory. So you're stretching your hands up, but you're pulling your body down. And I think I, I, I love that mindset of the contradiction because many times, you know, we have to. Um, to tear something apart to build something better or we have to like build an automation that does something very efficiently but at some point we'll need to introduce to to have someone doing an action like a person doing it so we just have to have it access to accessible to them like at some point i want a salesperson to talk to them i, I don't want to send a bot right so, so that's so, common between processes in yoga and automation yeah Yeah, yeah I, tearing I it apart it. and then putting it together. Tearing apart, putting it together, looking at stuff, not just as, as a one way of doing stuff, but, but pulling stuff in different directions. So uh, I love that. So I, I believe in that. Nice. Um, David, where would you be in five years from now? I wonder. Whoa. Yeah. That's a good question. Um, first of all, I hope to still be um, working with companies uh, and, and, and really understanding um, how we can improve businesses, how we can make people's life easier. Um, I think that, that the, uh, um, the gift we have of really learning something new every day, I look at it and I've been in automation for 10 years. I'm mm-hmm. still learning something new every day. Super so, important. Yeah, I hope to still be learning mm-hmm. in five years and I hope to be able to, to build something that, that um, can reach many people um, and help many people, be it uh, uh, like adopting the automation mindset or be it a tool that people can use to, to make their lives easier. I look at platforms like Make, like Zapier, and the fact that they put the power 
in the hands of, of, of everyone, that's very inspiring for me. So I hope to be doing something that other people will, will be able to use and maybe get inspiration from. And, and also, you know, having fun because when, when you build something, be it small or big, and it helps someone, that's a lot of fun. And the technical challenges, they're fun. So uh, I'm still be having fun. Super nice. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much. I want to take this opportunity uh, to uh, um, wrap things. And it was a super fun episode. Uh, I had a lot of fun and we learned a lot. Thank you. Um, and, yeah, thank you for all the information you shared with us. Uh, true uh, pro. Thank um, you. And, um, yeah, thanks for that. So thanks for having me on. Thanks for being so patient. It took us a couple of months to coordinate this. So, yeah. Uh, Good job of being patient with that. And thanks for also for spreading the knowledge. I think uh, the more we spread the knowledge, the more we're able to learn back. For sure. Um, so thank you, David Zisner. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We were um, Marketing Talks. And we also welcome you to follow, share, comment. Let us know what you think. Do you want to participate? Reach out for me in LinkedIn. Uh, let me know uh, if you uh, set up Um, a nice uh, marketing uh, activity or you started the new startup and you got uh, some uh, um, traction um, maybe we want you here in marketing talks so thank you and see you in the next episode bye bye